And so we're going to look at, so turn your Bible open to Psalm 23 today. This is a psalm that I go to almost every single day. Matter of fact, I have it memorized. Maybe some of you do, but I have it memorized. And I go to it almost every single day to remind myself about the truth of who God is and, more importantly, what he thinks about me because I understand a lot of times I'm like that sheep who just is wandering or doing something and I need to be reminded how much God loves me and what he thinks about me. So 23rd Psalm was written by King David and um, he was a, as we know, he was a shepherd before he became a king and he uses this metaphor of a shepherd and a sheep to explain God's love for his followers. So what I want us to do today is I want us to read this psalm, and it's on the New American Standard Version up on the screens. I want us to read this psalm out loud together. So let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, as I said, I have that psalm memorized, and I pray it almost daily. Matter of fact, last night I prayed through the 23rd Psalm. A lot of times I can't sleep well at night. My brain's going 100 miles an hour, and where I go to is the 23rd Psalm. And I begin, while Suzanne's hopefully sleeping next to me, um, I, in my mind, just begin to pray through the 23rd Psalm. And re- the reason I do it, of all the scriptures in the whole Bible, is because the 23rd Psalm reminds me of the truth about the relationship that is real between me and God. It reminds me about who is in charge and who is not in charge. And I'll be honest with you, the reason we generally stay awake at night is because we think we're in charge of something we're not in charge of. And we're living in tomorrow instead of resting in today. And I need to remember, remind myself, who's in charge? The shepherd. And who's not in charge? This sheep. It reminds me about who does the leading and who does the following. It reminds me about who provides and who protects. It's the shepherd's song. He is the shepherd. He is the caregiver. He's the protector. He's the provider. And I am the sheep. I'm the one who can kind of get out of line sometimes. But I am the one, no matter how much I get out of line, that am the one that is cared for. I'm the one, and you're the one, who is protected. I'm the one, and you're the one, who is guided by someone else who knows where he's going. My shepherd has all the necessary resources he needs to guide me and to protect me. And all I have to do is look to him. I need to learn to listen to him. I need to learn how to, to follow after him. And if I do, I get to live in the, in the shelter and the care of the shepherd's goodness and power and protection and love for me. So what I want to do today 
is I just want to walk through this wonderful psalm and unpack some of the, the truth as we look at some of the words and some of the phrases and see what the 23rd Psalm has to say for us, to say to us today. So first of all, when I look at the 23rd Psalm, I notice this, and, and maybe you've noticed it, maybe you haven't. I notice that God is my shepherd, that God is personal, that he knows my name, he knows my struggles and he knows my strengths, he knows me and he knows you. Look at the psalm, and the reason I wanted you to pull it up, even though we had it on the screens earlier, but the reason I wanted to look it up in your Bible or, or on, your, on your tablet or whatever this morning, look at this psalm, and I want you to notice how personal David makes it. Notice every time that David refers to himself as I, me, or my. So look at The Lord is my shepherd. In my Bible, every one of these personal things is underlined in red. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you think that just maybe David understood something here? Do you think maybe under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God wanted to speak something to us here? He knows that God knows him personally. God knows him as a person. And as I was working on this sermon today, I thought this. I thought, you know, we're going to be sitting together, a couple hundred of us sitting in a room looking at Psalm 23. We've all got up this morning, ate our breakfast, showed up here. But I wonder this. Have we thought about this truth today? Have you, have you thought about the fact that God is a personal God to you today? That God is your shepherd. That he cares about your particular situation today. Have you thought about that today? That God cares about your particular situation. And if you did, I want you to think about this. How does that make you feel? How does it make you feel that God, and all these eyes, me's, and my's, is speaking to you as a person and me as a person? I love the fact that God has a plan for us as a church but I am comforted by the fact that God has a plan for me. I love the fact that God is, is helping the world, but I rest in the fact that God is holding me in the palm of his hand. So how does that make you feel? When I think of it, it makes me feel special, meaning God actually knows me. Can you imagine that? The, the creator of the universe actually knows me. It goes so far in the scripture to say he knows how many hairs I have on my head. He knows everything about me. The most insignificant things he knows. It makes me feel safe knowing that God knows me personally. No matter what comes that I think feels out of control, he knows me and he's with me. So first of all, I notice that the Lord is my shepherd. But because he's my shepherd, the next thing I notice is this. He says, I shall not want. God, my shepherd, is going to make sure that I have all that I need. I can learn to trust him. I really can trust him to take care of me. 
But don't we sometimes worry about not having enough? Isn't that maybe our number one worry in life? I won't have enough or I don't have enough. My company doesn't have enough work to keep the employees going. I don't have enough strength to make it through this problem. I won't have enough money this month to pay my bills or I won't have enough of a nest egg accumulated to make it when I'm old and can't work anymore. Friends, God is our shepherd with unlimited resources and he will care for me. He will provide for me. He will provide for you. He says, Mark, you shall not want. And I can trust that because of the one who's saying it. It's God. It's the good shepherd. What else does he say in the psalm? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Do you know what stands out to me in that statement? When I read that, a word just like jumps off the page. And, and here's the thing about reading Scripture. You know, Scripture was inspired by, from the Holy, by the Holy Spirit to the author who's writing it. We understand that's inspired. But understand, Hebrews says that the dynamic of God, the, that, that idea of, of God breathing through the Scriptures is still real to you and me. That we have... Um, that God still speaks to us. And so sometimes what happens in scriptures when you're reading, something kind of jumps out or stands out to you. And you know what stands out to me when I, when I read that statement? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind quiet waters. It's the word makes. The Lord makes me. He makes me to lie down in a place of abundance. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's a place of abundance. He makes me do it. He makes me stop. He makes me rest. The other day, um, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. And a pastor called me, um, who pastors a church in central Wisconsin, and he was just having a hard time. He's having a hard time because um, in a little while ago, his, his mom passed away of cancer, and then just a week earlier, his brother passed away from cancer. And then he was having some things going on in the church. And, and he told me this. He said, Mark, I'm having a hard time because I'm worried about where I'm heading emotionally and spiritually. He said, when my mom died, I went to a dark place. He said, I just kind of couldn't figure out God. He said, I said, God, I've seen you heal all kinds of people. And now I've walked with my mom through this long-term death of cancer. And now I just walked through the long-term death of cancer with my brother. And um, he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I said, I'm afraid, Mark, of where I'm going to go. He said, I'm kind of afraid of the pit I'm going to go into. Matter of fact, the pit got so dark in the past that he actually resigned from ministry, left ministry, went back into secular employment, and got healthy again and came back into church ministry. And so I sat and I listened to him for a long time. And I felt just compelled by the Spirit to take him to these exact words that the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. And I talked to him about how God wanted him to rest instead of trying harder, because at the same time that he's got these things going on, all of a sudden really great things are happening at the church, and a ton of people are getting saved, and it's really great, but it's exhausting him, and he has no resources, and he has no staff, and he's exhausted doing what he's doing, and he feels like he can't grieve the loss of his, of his brother. And I said, listen... God wants you to lie down in a place of abundance. And after we talked and prayed together, 
It was literally like he was a new man on the phone. And this is what I took away from him. He's like, I have permission from God to rest. I have permission from God to take time to grieve. And he didn't think. He thought, you know, life is life and, and I got all his obligations and I got to keep moving. And hey, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be the one who has the answers and keep on going. And I said, well, how did that work for you last time? Last time you, you kind of crashed. I said, look at what the scriptures are saying here. What, look at the, what the good shepherd is saying to you. He makes you lie down in a place of, abund- a place of blessing and abundance. There's been many times in my life I've had to sit, stand on that and go, no, God, I know I have, I, my to-do list is longer than the time I have, but you're making me lie down. You're forcing me to do it because you know me better than I know me. And you know what I need so that I don't crash or go to that dark place. This makes me think of this. As I think of all of you, are you running 100 miles an hour? Are you running on empty? Are you overtired and overspent? God's speaking the good shepherd to us today, to you today, and he's saying, listen, I want you to rest. It's his will for you to rest. A lot of times people wrestle with this, especially younger people, and it's normal because they're trying to figure out what's God's will for their life, and what they think that means is, what am I supposed to do vocationally? That's a very small part of it. His will for your life is to walk with him. And I'm telling you, part of his will for your life is to rest because he makes you to lie down in green pastures. It's his will for you. It's why God told us that Sabbath rest is so important, that we need to set aside a day in seven and just get rested and rejuvenated because the next six sometimes wear us out. But you know what we do with the idea of Sabbath? We just pack fun stuff into it. And nowadays, the way our world is today, I mean, a whole bunch of people work all the time because now the world runs, our country runs seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So that's, that's just the reality we have to figure out. It, we're not going to change it, you know. And, but God's saying, I need, you, you need extended time. You need time to sit and rest and rejuvenate. And he says, I make you do it. That's what he wants to do. What else? He restores my soul and he guides me in the paths of righteousness. Friends, understand this. Let's talk about God wants the best for you. He knows you need restoring. He knows you need guidance and he wants to lead you to those good places. God understands something about us that we often don't understand about ourselves. We need restoring. See, you and I were born into a sin-corrupted world that we didn't ask to be born into. We have faced injustice, we have faced neglect, we have faced rejection, we have faced abuse, we have faced misunderstanding, and we've done a lot of those things then also towards other people who have faced them because of us. And these things affect us. They scar us. They wound us. And even if you don't admit it, they do, and we carry scars in our souls. And God knows this. And his heart is to restore your soul. His, his, his will for you is to heal your heart. Listen, he does not condemn you when you're wounded. He holds you and he heals you. The good shepherd does not condemn you when you're wounded and out of your woundedness you act out in ways that are inappropriate 
Rather, he holds you and he heals you because he is the good shepherd. And for some of you, this phrase of the 23rd Psalm strikes a nerve because you understand that you really do have some deep scars and you really do need to be healed. Let me recommend that I mention it already today that God has a great ministry here called the Trek that's designed for this portion of the 23rd Psalm to help you see some of those scars and see some of those wounds and help you put a healing ointment on the wounds to find healing for your soul. God's saying here, you need to be restored. And we, so we do our best to find ways and Trek is a wonderful way to help you find healing for those hurts that are inside of you. David says next, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil or I feel no harm, for you are with me. Look at what David does and what David doesn't do. David does not deny that we will go through hard times. Now for one second, as a matter of fact, David went through harder times than probably any of us could ever imagine or experience in our lives. How many of you will have your son try to kill you? Probably none. David went through hard times. Your king tried to kill you. But we have a promise. In the midst of anything, in the midst of the hardest of hard, you are with me. That God does not leave us when the days are dark. No, he stands with us in the difficult days. And beyond that, he carries us through the difficult days. And when I read this portion of the 23rd Psalm, it always reminds me of a, of, a, of, a, of a poem that was very popular maybe 30, 35 years ago. It actually has its roots much older than that, but a poem by Mary Stevenson called Footprints. Anybody ever heard the poem Footprints? Some of you, I bet, like me, in your house, you had it on a plaque on your wall. Some of you have never heard of it. This is what it says. It says, one night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky, and at each scene I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints, and other times there was one set of footprints. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish and sorrow or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always, but I have noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there's only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you most, have you not been there for me? And the Lord replied, the times when you have seen only one set of footprints is when I carried you. And friends, that's what David's getting at in the 23rd Psalm. In your most trying times, know that God is carrying you. David doesn't say we're not going to have hard times. Friends, if you believe when you came to Christ you're not going to have hard times, if somebody told you that, they lied to you. Life is full of difficulty for every person on the planet. But what does the, what does the child of God have? We have the good shepherd who, no matter if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to feel any harm, any evil, for you are with me. And he adds something to you are with me. The next thing he says there, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That may sound like an odd statement, but think of this. The shepherd often carried two instruments with him. 
The shepherd carried a rod, which was a long straight stick, and he carried a, 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 a staff, which was a stick with a hook on the end of it. And the rod was used for fighting off anything that would threaten the sheep. A coyote would come in, a wolf would come in. The shepherd had an implement. They didn't have guns, they had a stick. He could fight off anything that was attacking the sheep with his stick. But he also carried in his other hand a staff. And that's what you think of a lot of times. You see pictures of a shepherd, and they've got this shepherd's crook. That's what it is. And the shepherd's crook has a purpose. It's got a hook on the end, so the shepherd can use that hook to pull the sheep near. The sheep oftentimes will fall over. If there's depression, you ever want to see something funny, look on, look on, uh, on YouTube and look at sheep that have fallen over. They can't get up. They're kind of like a turtle almost. They fall in a hole. And the shepherd actually pulls them and picks them back up with the shepherd's crook. It's for holding the, shepherd, the sheep close to the shepherd and keeping them close and safe. And notice what it says here about the rod and the staff. It says they comfort me. A lot of times when people think of a weapon, they think of it's threatening. You could think of this. If you have a wrong narrative about God, you would say, your rod and your staff, they threaten me. Because God, I think you're angry with me and I think you're looking to hit me with the staff. And that's what we think about a lot of times. But this is saying just the opposite. It says God's not like that at all. It says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because this is all about protection. God is our shepherd and he is equipped to protect us. Now, I had a very life-changing interaction with this verse many years ago. We were planting a church um, in Michigan. It was going well. Um, we'd been through starting with zero just Suzanne and I built the church uh, bought land built the building but there was one lady in the church that had been with us from day one that was literally the most difficult person I've ever dealt with in my life Suzanne always said you know I learned more about about um, dealing with difficult people from her in a month than I deal with anybody else in my whole life and it's true um, there were times that she got so bad Suzanne literally walked in me and said I, I resign sell our house I'm leaving and we were in one of those times where honestly, um, I, was, I, I just said, you know what, this isn't worth it. She was from their long term, the wealthiest couple in the church, and thought they could control, but was just a mean-spirited lady with some serious emotional problems. And, um, and so I'm in the midst of this, and, and I'm in a situation where she's just coming at me with everything she has. I'm doing my best to establish a church. We're living in poverty. I'm trying to get this thing going, and... Um, and giving 100 hours a week literally to this church plant, and this lady's constantly attacking. little sidebar, when I finally literally said to this lady and her husband, um, to him, she needs to leave, and don't let the door hit her on the way out. Literally, I said, it has to stop. The church literally had been stopped like this. The day they left, the church went like that, like a rocket. So sometimes I think somebody could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think she was. But anyways, she was always on the attack against me, anything I did. And so one day I'm sitting in my office and I have my, I'm just, I'm beside myself. I'm sitting in my chair, my feet are on my windowsill. And I'm, I'm like, ready, I'm going to resign. God, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to tolerate it. I don't need this, you know. I'll go back to selling real estate. You know, I'll go back to being a financial planner. I don't need this. And as clear as one of you talking to me, the voice of the Lord said to me, turn to Psalm 23, 4. I'll be honest, as God is my witness, I had no idea. I didn't know what Psalm 23 was. I had no idea what verse 4 was. No idea. And I read this, and it just jumps out. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
And I, something happened in that exact moment that I've had happen two times in my life, and maybe you've had it happen, maybe you never had, but I had a bona fide vision. A real, like, Bible kind of vision. Where, meaning, I'm there, it's the middle of the day, I'm not sleeping, and suddenly, like, I'm standing in a different place. I'm, I know I'm still in my office, but I'm literally standing in a different place. And in this vision, there's a shepherd. And in my vision, there was no talking, but I knew it was Jesus. And the shepherd was just standing, and what I remember with the vision is, he was standing, and his, his ultimate calm look on his face, and he's looking that direction. And he's looking out. And he's just calm, like this most peaceful, calm, in control look. And the shepherd with a long white robe on. And there was a little boy standing behind the shepherd. And Josh was little at the time, and it looked just like Josh, but I knew in the vision it was me. And the little boy was standing behind the shepherd, holding on the shepherd's robe, looking around the shepherd and looking up at the shepherd. And it was just this most peaceful, secure thing. And the Lord said, my rod and my staff. They comfort you. And the message that came from the Lord was, listen, whatever's going on out there, I'll never let it get to you. He said, I got a rod and I got a staff. And if you think I'm going to let that wolf get you, no, you don't understand me. I got a rod and I got a staff. And that thing's never going to touch you. And it was really interesting is all of a sudden in this vision, I have this other voice come in my head. And it's the president of the college that I graduated from, H. Maurice Lednecki. And he used to say something all the time in his college, and it never made any sense to me. He'd always be in the middle of stuff, he'd be talking, and he'd say, Pastors, never defend yourself. And all of a sudden, he's a southern guy who was a screamer when he preached. And he's like, and I hear this, Pastors, never defend yourself. And all of a sudden, click. Wait a minute. I don't have to defend myself. The good shepherd has a rod and a staff, and they comfort me. It literally changed how I approach conflict from that day on. I approach conflict, I try to approach conflict, if I'm in a good place spiritually, understanding I'm not at risk. But I have to deal with it. People have said to me at past, oh, Mark, Pastor Mark, you like conflict, because I deal with stuff. I said, no, you don't understand. I hate conflict. I hate it. I've been accused of times, oh, you stir up problems. No way. I hate conflict. I hate problems. I understand I'm standing behind the shepherd, and the Lord, a lot of times, issues need to be dealt with, and the reason they've become issues is no one else dealt with them. And somebody, a leader, actually deals with problems instead of hiding from problems. A leader deals with problems. And it didn't say, anybody said, pastor, never defend yourself. And so I'm, a, I'm in that position and if I'm an under-shepherd, under-shepherd, guess what? I protect the flock. I understand everybody needs to be protected. And when there's a wolf in our midst, and there's problems and chaos, somebody needs to deal with it. People have said this, how come Portview is so peaceful? I've had many people say, it's the most peaceful church I've ever been to. You know why it's so peaceful? Because of this. Because when you know you're safe behind Jesus, you don't fight just to fight, but you protect sheep. And you know, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen because as long as I'm not in sin and I'm trying to follow the leading of the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. And his rod and his staff, they comfort me. They're my protection. I would rather have the Lord's rod and staff protecting me than the 82nd Airborne protecting me. 
because God is God and I can trust Him. And friends, His rod and His staff, they comfort you. They're not threatening you. They're here because He's here and He can protect you and He wants to protect you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. What I love about this phrase in the 23rd Psalm is this. He offers blessings even in the midst of turmoil. The last thing he said, I'll protect you when you're being attacked. I'll protect you, I'm the shepherd. Here he says, listen, you're going to go through turmoil. In the midst of it though, I'm going to prepare a table of blessing for you even in the presence of your enemies. I remember a lady named Jan Johnson teaching us one time who teaches on spiritual formation and she says kind of like, um, sometimes we, we think as Christians we'll never have enemies. She says, we'll always have enemies. Matter of fact, I read a quote by Winston Churchill very recently um, and it said this, um, if you have enemies, good. It means you stood up for at least one thing in your life. So if you stand up for anything, you're going to have some people who don't like you. And Jan Johnson said, your enemies are not people with guns after you. Your enemies are people who stand opposed to you in our situation. He says, he prepares a table of blessing for us even in the midst of those who oppose us. And this reminds me so much of what Paul wrote to the Philippians in, in Philippians 4 when he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that that thing that says there, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding or all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds. There is a peace. There is a blessedness from God that is available to us even in our most trying of times When the diagnosis is really scary, there can be peace. When the challenge seems bigger than you are, there can be peace. Understanding that the peace is God himself. God doesn't sprinkle peace on you. God unites with you. His peace comes from being united with him. Jesus is the prince of peace. Our peace comes from knowing that God is holding us in his hands, that the shepherd is with us, that the heavenly father prepares a table of abundance before us, even in the presence of our enemies, of those who stand opposed to us. A peace that's so amazing that it surpasses understanding. It's blessing in the midst of turmoil, even when it doesn't make sense. It goes beyond what you could imagine. Somebody goes, how can you be peaceful in the midst of this? It's because he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. Even in the middle of turmoil. Even if my enemy is cancer or my enemy is is whatever, it's a person. He can prepare a table of blessing for me in the midst of that. It's a reality of him, the good shepherd, caring for me. And then finally, the last statement that, that David talks about as a, as a shepherd himself, talking about the good shepherd. He says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what stands out to me, I mean, it's all wonderful, but what stands out to me is this concept, that if you get it, it'll blow your mind, that his loving kindness follows you. His loving kindness 
follows you. Loving kindness, and some of your tra- Bibles is translating this, covenant love, and that's really what it means. Loving kindness means covenant love. It's the never-ending, unchanging love of God towards us based upon the covenant that he's made with us to love us. He's saying, he makes a deal, I will love you. He makes a covenant, a promise. And then he says, my love is based upon a promise. It's not based upon a feeling. I love you unconditionally based on the promise of my own self. God says, I promise based on me. So it's an unchanging covenant love. And it says that that unchanging covenant love follows me or chases after me. You imagine that? The covenant love of God chases you. The covenant love of God goes after you. God is the pursuer in the relationship. He's chasing after me. He's chasing after you. The most famous verse in the whole Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, is all about the pursuit of God. God loves lost people so much, he chases after them by sending by God himself coming to earth. God is a pursuing God. Imagine knowing that God is pursuing you, actually believing it. We believe just the opposite. We believe God is hiding and we're chasing after him. But when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, who was the pursuer? God. When the demoniac is, is, is in chains in a, in, a, um, in a graveyard, in a desert place, who is the pursuer? God. When an, when an adulteress is caught and they're going to stone her, who is the pursuer? God. When you're a self-righteous, self-made rich man who's got rich by, by swindling people and you're sitting in a tree in a crowd, who's the pursuer? God. Zacchaeus, come down. Because today, I want to have lunch with you. And salvation comes to Zacchaeus' house. God is chasing after us. He comes after us. Imagine knowing that God is pursuing you. That You don't need to beg Him to love you. He is the initiator of the love relationship. And that love relationship doesn't just last for a little bit of time. It says, I dwell in the house of the Lord forever that his passionate love of chasing after us lasts into all eternity. Friends, here's my deal with with all of us today. That's why I went here. When stuff goes on in your life, and it might be going on right now, and it's going to go on sometime, for me, the most therapeutic, healing thing I can do is to go to the 23rd Psalm and very slowly pray through it and think about all these things that God is saying about his relationship to me. We're going to end today by rereading together as a, as a declaration of God's loving care for us, the 23rd Psalm. So why don't we stand together and let's read this together. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's read it slowly. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Lord, what an amazing, amazing, amazing revelation. That you are our shepherd. Lord, we're a lot of times like the sheep in the video that's running off doing something, we, that, some mischievous thing that we ought not to do. And, and that does not make you love us any less. Matter of fact, I think it makes you sometimes um, laugh. Because you know us. You know our frame. You know where we came from. You know we came from just dust. And I think you're just so amazed and blessed when we say yes to you in a world that's pit against us knowing you. You say to us, you're our shepherd. That you love us. And Lord, I pray this this morning for every person in this place. That if there's any like narratives that we believe about you that do not line up with this, would you right now help us to see those things? If there's any way we can't receive this truth because we just somehow believe that, that, that we're not good enough for you, or we believe that you don't love us unconditionally, or we believe that we're the chaser after you and you're hiding somewhere and we're always having to scream and yell and say, God, where are you? Instead of understanding that your loving kindness chases after us. God, rework our thinking today so that we see the truth and that that truth honestly can set us free. Lord, I pray this morning, you're that shepherd who stood there looking out in total peace with me as, as, a, as a grown man, but actually feeling like a little boy, looking up into your face and, and seeing your, your incredible control and peace and, and confidence knowing that nothing could, nothing could touch me. God, help us to see that today. Help us to see that today. In our heart, in our mind, to believe it in our soul, that you're protecting us today. You're the good shepherd.